Happy Friday, everybody. What is up? Hope that you had a wonderful, wonderful week and you are ready for the weekend. You know, I'm looking at myself. I still got uh, sunscreen on. I was uh, working out in the yard today. It is a hot one here in Atlanta. Uh, Trey in the chat says, drink your water. It's a hot one. Yeah, man. It's got to be over 90 today. And um, I was working in the yard, you know, doing my husbandly duties today, catching up on things, cutting the grass, and just all that kind of crap. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a hot one. I jumped in the shower right before I got here uh, into my studio to do the show, and I thought I scrubbed off all the uh, – <laughs> you see all this white shit still on my face. I thought, thought I got it all off, the sunscreen, because I caked it on, but it's still all over me. It looks like uh, – Looks like powder out of my face. Anyway, uh, hey, you got to protect yourself. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't go out in the sun like that no more. I used to. I used to. But uh, we avoid it these days. Um, so um, it's been a rough week, man. I've had a, a very busy week. Um, I haven't really talked about this much on my show, but the, for the last few weeks, my mother's health has been uh, pretty rough. And she's been going through some stuff. And this week, it, it got real bad. I had to go out of town and help take care of her. She lives in North Carolina now. But um, so full disclosure, guys, uh, when I say that there's been a lot on my mind the last couple of weeks and my mind hasn't really been focused on boxing, um, you know, there's several reasons for that. But um, so my mom, I think I may have mentioned this on the show before. I'm not sure. But my mother has lupus. It's an autoimmune disease that I think um, usually affects women more than men. But um, essentially, this this disease attacks different parts of your nervous system at different times. And it's uh, it's attacked different parts of her body at different times. But most recently, it has attacked her brain. And she's been having issues with memory, confusion, things like that. And... Um, as I mentioned uh, a minute ago, she lives in North Carolina now. She lives in Charlotte, which is where my sister lives. Uh, a bunch of my family left Detroit and moved down there uh, for work because uh, the economy is really good down there. And um, long before I ever moved to Atlanta, right? So anyway, that's where she's at right now. And um, she had a rough few days where she didn't know where she was. And she thought she was in Michigan. You know, we all, that's where we're from. We're from Michigan. And that that's where she thought she was. And all kinds of other stuff I could talk about here for, you know, forever. I'm not going to do that. But she was, she was you know, in a bad place. So, um, you know, my sister has uh, a, a three-year-old and a six-month-old. So her hands are full. And uh, I was talking to her and I said, hey, let me get up there. And, you know, me and my wife literally drove up there in the middle of the night on Monday. I uh, didn't get up there until like one, two in the morning and got my mom to the hospital and all this stuff. And I, again, I'm not going to, I won't talk long about it guys, but um, she's doing a little bit better, but she, things are not really good right now. Uh, so it's, it's been very difficult, but um, Tiffany and I just got back to Atlanta last night, literally last night. So uh, today was a little bit of catch up day. And, you know, so I'm, go that's why I've been out cutting the grass and doing all that. Why I still have sunscreen residue all over my face. Um, anyway, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's been tough having that in my mind and then my wife being pregnant and then, you know, some other things, just life things has really, uh, taken a lot of my focus. And then, you know, now it's been a week since my fight 
last Friday where I lost a split decision. I've talked to you guys about that. I've talked about it on a couple different shows. I realize now just how unprepared I was for that fight and how my focus was just not on it. I was looking past it. I was just trying to just get through it and uh, just learned a, a, a very valuable lesson that if I ever do something like that again, or the next time I do it, I need to be 100% dialed in and not let anything else get in the way. And that's why they say, you know, boxing is a young man's sport, man, because the, the older you get, the more responsibilities you have, the more things are going on, the more you have to lose. And that's why there's more on your mind. Um, so anyway, that's where I'm at right now, man. I got a little disoriented, just kind of trying to get everything, you know, together <laughs> in my brain. Um, it's, 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 it's been a rough one for, uh, the, the whole family with everything else going on, you know, it's just been like, damn, just one thing after another. They say, like they say, when it rains, it pours. Right. But, uh, fortunately we have some, some good fights to look forward to, uh, this weekend and uh, I'll be covering that ESPN card tomorrow. I'll be covering that for ringtv.com. So you guys can look, uh, Jana Beck is fighting for an interim middleweight belt. Since Demetrius Andre doesn't seem too interested in fighting him. He's going to fight it for the interim belt. That way, if Andre decides to vacate, uh, we thought he was, then he kind of went back on that claimed an injury. Some people suspect that the injury is BS. Who knows? Anyway, um, we don't know what, Andre is going to do, but Janabek fighting for that interim belt. And then also on the card, a friend to the show. Everyone loves this guy, Jamel Herring, uh, Jamel Simplify Herring, former United States Marine, former world title holder. Um, he is making his ring return since that tough defeat here in Atlanta to Shakur Stevenson last year. So that's, that's a nice little doubleheader. And I will be, uh, like I said, covering that for ringtv.com. So you guys can look for my recap there. And then, um, yeah, so we got some other fights, too. So we can talk about that. I would show you guys weigh-in footage, right? Like I've been doing on these Friday shows. But every single time I do it, the man strikes me with a copyright thing. So so I'm not even going to do it no more, especially the zone. The zone is the worst offender. I don't know if it's just a setting that they have on our channel. But they don't seem to understand. Like, it's not like I'm showing fight footage. I'm just showing weigh-in footage, which you're sharing for free anyway on your damn YouTube channel. When I show top rank or PBC weigh-ins, they don't seem to give a shit because they understand, oh, this is free promotion. <laughs> cool, free promotion. Uh, DAZN doesn't seem to understand that yet. There's several things DAZN just needs to iron out here in the United States. They, they really get it right a lot in other markets, other parts of the world. But here in the USA, man, they just don't get it sometimes. Um, also, I wanted to talk about Pound for pound, the pound for pound debate. Let me pull, let me share my screen here. Uh, if you guys really, really want to get an in-depth look at our process, Doug Fisher is usually Doug. It's not always Doug. Sometimes it's Diego Maria. Sometimes it's Tom Gray. They will post an update usually every week, but sometimes, you know, it might only be once or twice a month, depending on the activity going on, right? But lately it's been so busy. It's pretty much been every week. They post an update on Ring's site with the updated rankings, whether it's pound for pound, divisional, or all of the above. And this week, you know, following Jermel Charlo's undisputed win in the rematch against Brian Castaño, the big debate was, does Charlo rate pound for pound? And if so, where? And we went back and forth. And a couple of our writers, uh, Anson Wainwright and Adam Abramovitz, they went back and forth hardcore uh, it was kind of fun just to watch their their debate. 
And so Doug will post uh, our conversation, the ring ratings panels conversation, and he'll put actual quotes in there from our conversation. Now, these convos are usually uh, over email, you know, but sometimes it, it, it's, it varies. But, um, you know, we have people from all over the world. So the best way to have these conversations generally is through email. Uh, but there's actual quotes and Doug will take them and post them so you guys can see our process. And I think that's important. I don't think any other boxing media platform is this transparent with how they get their ratings. Now, I'm not saying our ratings are perfect. It's a democratic process. Human beings are doing it. There are going to be, at times, things that seem unfair or things that seem inconsistent, you know, depending on your point of view and what you value when you rate fighters. You know, you might rate recent work. More importantly, uh, other people might look at overall body of work. You might look at what a fighter's done in one division. Some may look at what they've done in multiple divisions, right? It, it really is what you prefer. And we have a panel of, of folks from around the world that all have different points of view. And we, we just, we chop it up and the majority rules, you know? So um, it's not a perfect process, never going to have a perfect process, but I really truly believe, and I believe this before I ever was a member of Ring's staff, if you will, uh, even before I wrote for Ring, Doug invited me to be part of the Ring ratings panel uh, because he recognized, I guess, that maybe the talent in me to to uh, to rate fighters, or he just he just liked my point of view, or maybe it was just that he saw I was passionate about this shit, more passionate than most. And you have to be really, really passionate to dedicate your time to uh, something that's so unforgiving because no matter what we do, we get shit for it. So anyway, I'm sharing my screen here to show this tweet that Doug posted with the ring ratings update. Of course, you know, it has the article, the link to the article, but he copied several of us um, that went back and forth on this. And some of the responses, I, I just wanted to share with you guys just to show a little of what we deal with. Um, by the way, I, you know, Maybe one of these times on my Friday show, I'll just show you guys my DMs because there is just a list of DMs that say all sorts of racist stuff against me <laughs> or say uh, just racial slurs and stuff, or they'll just say, you're a piece of shit. You suck dick. I hope you die of AIDS. I hope you get cancer. I mean, just stuff like just, and I'm like, dude, because you disagree with my boxing take, you're going to send me that DM? Like, I should just show you guys one time because I think it'd actually be a lot of fun. We could just, like, drink a beer. We could play a drinking game with my DMs. Every time I get called this racial slur, we do a shot. Every time I get called that racial slur, we drink a beer. Whatever. I don't know. We'd be drunk real quick. Uh, but hold on. Let me let me just show you guys some of these quote tweets. Now, um, I uh, a lot of these accounts I've muted and stuff, so, so you can't always see them. But... Uh, I don't know. A lot of these guys, you see uh, this guy right here reading, this should make clear how biased and inconsistent this panel is. Um, you have people making arguments to discredit Charlo. So this person looks at our entire thing and focuses on Charlo because he's obsessed. Um, this person said, just sums it up a lot of garbage ass ads in one tweet. So this guy's making it clear. He doesn't like the people on the panel. This person saying here, uh, this guy's such a troll. Uh, how is Jamel Charlo a pound for pound debate? Says the guy who didn't even read the article because some great points were brought up. 
some really, really great points. And there's a bunch of other quote tweets that we can't even see because I've blocked the accounts. Um, <laughs> here's a guy who says, y'all love uh, Loma way too much. It, it's funny to me that people still obsess over Lomachenko, who, by the way, I talked about on the Ring Ratings panel. And I think I talked about it on my show Monday. I can barely even remember my show Monday because things have been so crazy. But I think I talked about the fact that he's probably not going to fight this year. And it's, I think, fair to at least consider removing him if he's not, if there's no plans to fight in 2022. I made that suggestion. You guys can see the quotes on the article. And several other members of the panel, I think pretty much everybody was like, nah, Mike, that, that, that's too much, too much too soon. Let's give it, let's just wait. Right. So, so I was kind of voted down on that, but I wasn't even necessarily saying we, we got to remove Loma, but I was just posing the question, should we, because he's not going to fight this year. Um, and I could keep going here with all these comments, guys, you, you see so many of these are blocked. Um, and you know, yeah, this guy, oh, you know, your list is way better than rings wrist. Uh, list Loma shouldn't be in the top 10. They always, always, always with Loma. There's just this weirdest obsession with Lomachenko. I don't get it. Um, why does he make people so mad? And the thing is, if you don't feel Lomachenko is among the top 10 fighters in the world, pound for pound, explain why. Don't just hate. But a lot of people were really, really mad that we don't have Charlo like in the top five. And I'm sorry, but if you look at our top five and how accomplished those fighters are, Charlo, despite having a great accomplishment, being the undisputed at 154, he doesn't rate in the top five based on overall accomplishments and overall resume. He just doesn't. He also hasn't been as dominant as some of these other fighters on our list. Um, so, so there's there's so many factors, but the pound for pound thing is funny. And people reveal their biases all the time. And again, it's it, it's one thing to have a preference, okay? We all have preferences. When it comes to boxing, I mean, all things in life, you have preferences, right? But in boxing, as a fan, as an observer of the sport, an analyst, whatever you want to call yourself, a historian, there are certain styles that you're going to prefer. There are certain types of accomplishments you're going to prefer. It is totally okay to have a preference, there's a big difference, though, in my opinion, between a, a legitimate, logical, objective preference and a straight-up, emotionally, politically-driven bias. There's two very different things. And a lot of you guys that respond so negatively and so full of hate, you're just biased. And that's me making it nice, okay? That's me being politically correct. Because if I really, really went for it, I think, you know, you know, the word I could jump to, there's just a lot of you out there that just got a lot of anger and hatred in you and you reveal it all the time through your comments and your, 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 um, just, just the bias. And again, I'm not saying it's bad to have preferences. We all have them. And there just might be certain fighter styles and stuff that you prefer. Cool. That's fine. And you might not give a shit if a fighter had titles in two or three weight classes. You care more about undisputed. Okay. If that's it, then you're probably going to have Charlo in your top five. And that's reasonable. I, I just don't think he's among the top five fighters in the sport, but I think he's among the top dozen or so. I have him in my top 10 pound for pound. Uh, but I, I tweeted this earlier this week too. 
not all undisputed runs are created equal, right? So if you highly, highly rate undisputed, okay, cool. How many undisputed are there right now? Uh, well, Josh Taylor just got stripped of the WBA, so I guess we can't count him. But he was uh, he went on a recent undisputed run. So did Usyk. So did Crawford. So did Canelo. All these guys are on our pound for pound list. So if you've got Charlo in your top five based off him being undisputed, well, you should have those other fighters rated pretty highly as well, right? Um, and some of you say, well, I thought you know that fight Taylor and Catterall was real close. Could have won either way. Well, what the fuck was Charlo Castaño won? What was uh, Charlo Harrison won? So, so if you're if you're beefing about Taylor's close fight with Catterall, but you're overlooking Charlo's loss to Harrison, and what a lot of people thought should have been a loss to Castaño, you're being biased. You're not being consistent. It's okay to have a preference. It's not okay to be biased. And some of you guys just constantly reveal biases. And you don't like being checked on it. What's funny is the people that are the most biased and angry, and you guys have this like, just, just this animosity in you. You're always the ones going around calling everybody else names and labeling everybody else. When it's you guys that are truly the biased ones with, with a real problem. And the other 99% of us, of, of all backgrounds and beliefs and preferences, look at you guys and just kind of laugh at you. I don't think some of you guys realize how much we're all laughing at you because most of us don't give a shit about the things you obsess over. We just like to see great fighters fight the best. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, whatever. We don't care about all the other bullshit that you guys regressively in your regressive little lizard brains obsess over. We just don't give a shit. So we're all laughing at you guys. Anyway. Had to get that out. Had to start with that pound for pound debate. Uh, and then once again, sorry guys, I can't show you no weigh in footage. I'm paranoid now that they're gonna like take down my channel just for showing some freaking weigh in footage. So I, I won't do it. But everyone made weight as far as I know for these fights this weekend. Uh, super chat from my man Anthony Santiago. Thank you so much, Ant. He says, What's up, Mike? Can you talk about the decision to remove Chocolatito? Great question. Uh, I'm trying to understand that. Trying to understand that one, LOL. Prayers for Mama Montero. Well, thank you very much, brother. And um, yeah, man, it's 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 been a it's been a really really tough week. <sighs> Boy, has it been a tough one, man. Uh, it just really puts shit in perspective, man. It really does. Um, so, you know what? Let me let me pull up. Let me let me share my screen again. Let me pull up the ring ratings, the updated pound for pound. If I already did this Monday, guys, I'm sorry. Once again, um. My brain is so scattered because of all the things I've been dealing with. Um, if you're just jumping on the chat, I just, my mom, she's not doing well right now. And um, I literally just got back in town late last night because I've been helping her out with some some health issues. She's been in the hospital all week. Um, okay, here's our updated list. Hopefully you guys, I make sure? Yeah, okay. I have them all up here and you can see. Okay. I really don't see anybody. I mean, I can see some people beefing with our top five and maybe some of the order, but I think for the most part, the 10 fighters we have on here, it's really, really difficult for me to hear anybody debate that this is these 10 fighters are not among the top dozen or so fighters in the world right now in terms of talent combined with 
recent accomplishments combined with multi-divisional accomplishments combined with overall body of work. I mean, when you look at those things, these, this has to be among the top dozen or so, right? Maybe there's one or two that you feel don't deserve it. And there's somebody else you want to bring in there. But last week we had Roman Gonzalez at number 10 and we bumped him off. The decision was made to remove him at number 10 and bring in Charlo at number 10. Now I want it on record. I disagreed with that. Um, at, I understand people went back and forth and it was basically like, it, the question was posed to me at one point. Um, I think it was by Doug when he asked several of us that weren't cool with that decision at first, are you guys cool with this? And ultimately we said, yeah, that's fine because it was the best solution of a, a few possible scenarios. Okay. Um, because in my opinion, not including Charlo in the top 10 coming off that win would have been worse than removing Chocolatito right now. I know that's going to be an unpopular opinion and I understand it. And, and let me state clearly for the record, Chocolatito's accomplishments dwarf Charlo's. Not even close. It's not even close, okay? But officially, he lost that fight to Estrada. I was there, and I thought Chocolatito edged it. But officially, he lost that fight. Officially, Charlo got a draw with Castaño. I thought he came up short, but he got the draw. And then he left no doubt in the rematch. So. If you look at recent fights between Chocolatito and Charlo, and you look at the official results, again, I'm not saying I agree with the official results. I don't agree with the official results of my fight a week ago, okay? But the official results are the official results. You can't go back in time and, and redo it, right? So that is how I think ultimately the decision was made. Now, let me add this. Uh, Estrada is busy. He's going to end up fighting Franco. He should. Assuming he comes away with that win, and assuming by the end of the year, we get the third fight between Estrada and Chocolatito, obviously that creates an opportunity for Estrada to stay on our list, and it creates an opportunity for Chocolatito to get back on the list. Now, let's just say they have another all-time great classic fight and Chocolatito edges at 115-113, you can make a case at that point that maybe Estrada, you move down, but you bring Chocolatito back on. And then the question will be, who do you remove, right? And we will make that judgment call at that time appropriately. Um, as I mentioned on my show Monday, there are four fighters on this list right now I believe it's four, yeah, four that have not had a fight yet this year. We're almost halfway through the damn year. But I broke it all down. And I said, look, Estrada's got one coming up. So does Usyk. Crawford should. Lomachenko's the one who doesn't. And that's why I suggested, hey, let's keep Chocolatito on, my original suggestion. Let's bump Loma with the reasoning that we're not dropping him because we don't think he's one of the best fighters in the world but we're dropping him because he doesn't plan to fight this year and him and his team have made that pretty clear. So we're removing him for now and bring in Charlo, keeping Chocolatito on as well. That's the way I would have done it, right? But that was overruled and it's a democratic process. So you have to make the best decision 
with with what you have. And I hopefully explained the Chocolatito Charlo thing uh, well enough to where it makes sense. Uh, let's see. So look, Joseph here in the chat says, inactivity should not be a factor. Boxing quality is the key. Joseph, look, um, I agree, but also I, I disagree. I agree with you that boxing quality is the key. And I think Lomachenko's opposition is stellar when you look at the fact that he's a, a featherweight fighting in the lightweight division. Um, I, I It baffles me that so many people hate on the guy for no, no real reason. But inactivity is a factor. When it comes to ratings, and you have to make a judgment call like I just explained, I do think inactivity matters. And I think in this case, you know, Bumping Lomachenko out, again, this was just a suggestion I made. Bumping him out for inactivity and bringing in Charlo, who's coming right off an undisputed championship win, I think you could justify that. I do. It doesn't mean that I think Charlo's done an overall better body of work than Lomachenko. That's absurd. He hasn't, right? But it's what have you done for me lately combined with the overall record? Right. That if, if you have an ongoing ratings that you update weekly, a lot a big factor is what have you done for me lately? So that that that's why I made that decision. Also, though, um, this has come up too. A lot of people don't think we should have Bevel in the top 10. A lot of people think Bevel beating Canelo doesn't rate top 10. I disagree with that, and here's why. I get it that Bevel is a natural light heavyweight. He's actually more of a natural super middleweight, by the way. I get it. Regardless, he's the bigger guy. He's bigger than Canelo, right? But we've seen plenty of bigger guys fight Canelo, and Canelo smoked him. Canelo beat Chavez, um, Smith, I mean, Rocky Fielding. Do I have to go down the damn list? Caleb Plant. Danny Jacobs is pretty much the same size as Dimitri Bevel. Don't believe me? Look at their numbers. Pretty much the same height and reach. Danny Jacobs, Dimitri Bevel. And Canelo beat all those guys. But now that he loses to a guy, everyone's like, oh, the size is too much. Oh, oh, oh. Really? If he would have beat Bevel, what would y'all be saying? I, I think that people are not giving Bevel enough credit. <sighs> you know what I want to say, right? I won't go down the political rant. I'll just say a bad word. Russia. <clears throat> Russian. I know this video is going to be like demonetized now. I think that's a factor. I'm just putting it out there. I think that's a factor. I think that's at least playing a factor in the way some people are dismissing Dimitri Bivol's accomplishment. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. All right. <laughs> let's uh let's jump to the phones, man. Let's uh let's get to this first call here. 336, you were on the show. What's up? Yo, I'm number one. I thought man. that was BLT. I thought that was BLT. What's <laughs> up, man? Yo, you talking about your mother. My mother, my father retired from New York, went to Florida. <laughs> one year, she was fine. Next year, I told her she's got lupus and got a table full of garbage. And I'm uh, like, what's going on here? Man. You know? Okay, so so um, your dad got yeah, lupus. Yeah. How, is, how is your dad doing? No, no, my mother, my mother. Oh, your mother got, okay, okay. How's she doing? She's deceased. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry, BOT. I'm so sorry, man. It, dude, it's a horrible yeah. disease because there's nothing you could fucking do, 
right? Yeah. It, I've learned yeah, a lot about it, man. Yeah. I've learned a lot about it. Uh, it's it's terrible. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. Well, you would find in New York if you the state there. Because if you go down, how do you get it? I mean, what is that? Anyway, yo, it's just crazy. And I'm, I'm wishing your mother a speedy recovery. Thank you. But it's it's a beast. Though. It's a beast. It's a hard beast to kill. I tell you that. Yeah, man. It's uh, and she's in North. Carolina. You know, I'm in North Carolina, right? I'm I know, man. I thought about you. She's she's in uh she's in Charlotte. How far are you from Charlotte? Yeah, that's about an hour and a half, two okay. hours, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you just hit a nerve there. So, but I didn't even think of yeah, anything. Yeah. Oh well. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Happy for it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, this is New York thing. So, so, so you just gonna go up there and get tickets? You gonna like try to organize something? Or? We, uh, a friend of ours, is taking care of the tickets. Uh, we do a lot of business for him, oh, okay. so he's taking care of us. But um, okay. we're just gonna be up there. I think Friday, Saturday, and I think we're coming back Sunday. So we're basically just gonna be there for the fight. Yeah, okay. it's gonna be in and out. Yeah. yeah, but we're staying in the city. We're staying in the city where we're staying yeah, uh, we... Midtown. Yeah, yeah, because I worked in Midtown. I used to go by the garden every day. Oh, shit. Yeah, so, so yeah, I'm going to try to catch up to you, but I, like I said, I just went to New York and spent up a whole lot of money on my daughter. So, But I'm going to definitely make 110% try to get up to your feet. Okay. And, uh, and the wife. <laughs> just let me know man let me know yo yo yeah i'll uh i'll pop you some emails whatever and uh okay you know, we see, we see, we see. i'm gonna try to get some tickets i suppose man because i'd like to see that fight i've only been to one live fight so oh shit yo <laughs> if, if like um if you need tickets man and, and you can get up there let me know because I'll, I'll i'll hook you up with my friend jim boone he's the best in the business he'll take mm-hmm. care of you you tell him i sent you He'll hook you up. Yeah. So uh, just let me know, all right. all right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right, man. I really don't have anything else to talk about, really, and truly. So just let the experts someone or whoever wants to. All right, man. <laughs> have a great weekend, brother. Stay cool, man. It's right, hot out you. here right now, so stay cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice and hot, man. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of food out there, bro. Shit. Take care, man. All right, man. You too. <clears throat> yeah, man, it's like yeah. I think it's in the '90s all weekend, uh, and I think it's I think it's this whole area of the country because, uh, like I said, I was just up there in North Carolina, shit, yesterday. Uh, drove back down here to Atlanta last night. It's it's only a four hour drive from where I was going back and forth, um, but it was like '90 something yesterday, and it was the same shit today. I'm like, man, this is going to be a hot summer. Last year there was a lot of uh, what the hell do they call it? Uh, tropical depressions or whatever the hell it is. And that kept things cool. It was, there was a lot of like rain and stuff. I didn't mind that shit. I'm like, I don't care if it's gray outside and there's no sun. I don't give a shit. Cause it was cool out. But so far this year, I don't know, man, I, it, it's, it's got a feeling like it's just going to be hot as shit the entire summer boxing global with the super chat. Thank you so much. He says, what's up, Mike prayers for your mom. Hmm. Congratulations to you and Tiffany. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Uh, 
Life sucks sometimes, huh? All right, back to the phones. 631, what's up? What up, Mike? It's Keith with Boston Global. Keith, what's up, man? Thank you for the super chat. Appreciate, <laughs> uh, brother. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Yeah, again, my uh, my condolences. Um, just uh, real quick in regards to that, um, one of my businesses, my partner, she has lupus and fibromyalgia, and she uses CBD a lot, helps her a lot. So uh, right. if you're ever, you know, if you want to ever interested, uh, you can always message me as well too. Maybe I should talk to my mom about um, that because you're saying, um, I don't think my mom is. I don't know if she has fibromyalgia, but she is in pain a lot. She has a lot of pain. She's on a bunch of pain lupus, meds right? and shit. Huh? Yeah. You said, you said she has, I'm sorry, you said she has lupus? Yeah, she's had it. Or, she's had it, I think, pretty much her whole life, and she's done very, very good with it. But lately, it's really started kicking her ass. It's just, like, really, I guess, gotten inflamed <clears throat> recently. There's really no reason why. It just happens, you know? Um, I guess it was dormant for a long time, yeah. but you know, yeah. Stress. Yeah. I mean, I, we, I can, we, we can always, we can always message. I can talk, talk more about it, but, um, okay. I want to just kind of go over a few points. Um, I tried calling last week. I know you were super busy with calls. Um, I want to give my reaction to Canelo Bivol. I was actually a little surprised. Not at the same time though. I was wrong. I predicted Canelo to kind of keep it close and they were just going to rip off Bivol and, or even Canelo actually just kind of adapting, but he didn't really employ a good game plan. He just, as everyone everyone saw, he just tried to overpower people, and that wasn't the case. Uh, one of my uh, friends who was watching the fight with, uh, I don't know what he was watching, but he thinks that Canelo won. I don't know how, or it should have been a draw. And he literally says that um, Bebo was just lining jabs, but if you look at the punch shots, he outlined in every category. Yep. But either way, I mean, um, it was a great win for Bebo. Props to uh, Jack Alter for uh, calling that out uh, yep. again. Uh, it was a good call. Um, and, yeah, I'd rather – I like Bebo fighting Zerto. Um, I'd much rather Bebo fight the winner of the Joe Smith. Uh, but better be a fight <clears throat> just because it's, you know, it's going to – that's to get that they will be the undersea champion, and he's already beaten Joe Smith, so I'd like to see a fight better be a – I'm looking at playing tickets to go left fight. I'm going to try and go, but it's just really expensive to fly out of Canada, California. Yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, that's the fight I prefer to see. And I was at actually, uh, the Charlo Castaño fight last week in, uh, at Subhub or Big New Sports Health Park. It was actually really good. The environment. Cool. Um, what I like to, yeah, what I would say is like, we just kind of talked about like this earlier as far as people being biased. The really cool thing was you had people like black, white, Asian, Latino, Everyone in the crowd, there were most people were cheering for Castaño. I mean, for Charlo, um, to be honest with you, which is really cool to see. Like you had, you know, there was Mexican people next to me saying, "Come on, Charlo, throw the jab, throw the jab." This is actually really, really cool, refreshing to see because boxing has been so become so, I guess, um, tribal, you know, separated, tribalistic, and yeah. everyone, you know, everyone is biased. So to see that, especially, you know, especially from different groups, it was really cool to see. Um, I was rooting for Castaño. I like Castaño, but I mean, after Charlo won that, I definitely appreciate Charlo and respect, you know, what he's done. Um, he just kind of, it's cool too, because kind of talking about like this whole bias, like a lot of that comes from one promotional company and they kind of target that one, you know, specific yep. group of people. 
and Charlo has called out other fighters on that on that same bullshit, which is really I love cool it. to see. Yeah. And he, 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 yeah. So, which is really cool. I mean, like, he's brash and whatnot, but, I mean, on opposite of his brother, he backed his shit up. I'll say that. And ironically, that day, I had a I had a concussion from earlier in the day. I went to a boxing fight, which is actually really really ironic. But <laughs> shit, maybe man. that very fun. Yeah, you're doing it backwards. <laughs> it wasn't. A, it wasn't a good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then just in regards to this uh, this weekend, this fight tomorrow night, I uh, I think that unless David Benavides falls asleep and really lets the last has a last in defense, he should pretty win. He should win pretty easily. Um, I just, Lemieux is kind of one, he's kind of past his best, and two, that's 168 isn't his weight. Uh, I haven't seen him fight at 168 that much or at all, I don't think, but I don't, I don't know how effective his power is going to be at 168. He'll probably have some pop, but, um, I have no idea. We'll see. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, I tend to agree, man. I think, um, Lemieux is a heavy hitter, heavy handed guy, you know, strong. Still got has a good left hook, but unless he can land something clean early, if ben, when Benavidez is cold, I don't see how he wins this fight. I mean, uh, PBC yeah. doesn't match their guys. Uh, if you look at David Benavidez's entire career, they've only matched him in fights where they thought he was going to win. They obviously feel very strongly he's going to win this fight. So, yeah. And actually, you made a good point. That's the point I want to make, too. So if you we look at the undisputed runs of, like, for example, obviously Canelo, um, Josh Taylor, Terrence Crawford, they they did their they did theirs pretty quickly in their respective weight classes. It's taken Charlo, what, like, I don't know, five years since he won his first title? I'm just guessing. But yeah. And and he had a, 154 pounds isn't a, isn't a weak division. Like, 168 was a weak division. But 154 pounds is a weak division, so it took him a while, and I think that's just the the matchmaking, and that's just obviously the more the mentality at with PBC instead of with their brain trust. I completely agree. If Charlo had completely unified this division two years ago, he'd probably already be at 160 because that's where he's going next. The other Charlo is going to go to 168. Um, it just you know they've takes they, they they take so long to to get to it over there. Uh, Spence, how long did it take him to get three belts? You know, PBC's on those three belts. It, it yeah. took them a long, long time. There's just a track record there that's undeniable. And if you call it out, it's not hating. It's just noting what's going on. That's all it is. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, it is. And I, it, I don't see anyone at 154 pounds with really, a, I mean, beating Charles. I see them challenging him, giving him a tough fight, but. I met, I actually met Tim Zhu. Uh, he's, I mean, looking at his last fight, I think he's going to get caught with the right hand down, you know, down the center. He's actually not that big of a guy. He's shorter than me. I'm 5'10. He, he was like probably like 5'8. And then Sebastian Pondoro is just going to get, he's going to make it interesting in the beginning, but he, he's just going to get, he's going to get probably stopped. He's just going to get hit so much. So, yeah. That's yeah, just I, my assumption. Um, I, I think oh, Fundura and Zoo just both need a lot more seasoning. And they should – like, I love that they want to step up and fight for the championship. I love that, especially from Zoo, because he could just stay in Australia and make a shitload of money where he's already a star. So I love the the desire, but they just both need to improve on so many things. I just don't think they're re- they're ready for it. But what the hell? Throw them in there. Let's see what happens. 
Yeah. Uh, other thing I remember, Andrew Ward just called out the recently called out the sanctioning bodies. He basically said, "What are you know? What are they there for?" The only I don't know if you saw, but he's like the only belt that we that should be recognized or that he recognizes is the ring belt. Basically, the sanctioning bodies just collect you know fees and they don't really do much for the fighters. What are your What are your thoughts on that? There's some truth to that, but there are situations like let's take Dimitri Bevel. He would have never got that fight against Canelo if he didn't have a belt. Would have never happened. So in that case, him dealing with the WBA's absolute insanity for the last few years paid off. And there's so many fighters I can point to where having that belt is what gave them the leverage to get ahead or going through the mandatory system got them an opportunity. So the the sanctioning organizations do some good things, uh, especially the WBC, which I talk about their weight management program. The drug testing program. They're not yeah. perfect, but th- it's more than anyone else is doing. So, um, yeah, I generally yeah. regard the ring the ring champion as the real champion because our process is different. Uh, we don't charge fighter sanctioning yeah. fees, and we, we recognize who the best fighter in the division is. The other sanctioning organizations don't do that, but they do some good shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Mike, well, thanks, uh, thanks for taking my call. Again, you know, best podcast, and congratulations to you and Tiffany, and I'll keep your mom in my prayers. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it, bro. No problem. Talk to you soon. All right. All right, there he goes. Uh, I want to make sure. I don't, didn't miss anything in the chat. I don't think so. Okay. We could keep this thing going. Oh, I should mention, by the way, I haven't even really talked about this weekend's fights. Real quick, guys. Janet Beck. Adam Canoli versus Danny Dignam. That's the fight. Uh, again, I'll be covering that for ringtv.com for those of you just joining on. And that is for a WBO interim middleweight belt. I think that might end up becoming the real full WBO middleweight championship down the line because I think Andre's really not going to be very keen on fighting the winner of that fight. Also on that card, uh, Jamel Herring making his ring return and uh, several other uh, top-ranked prospects. And then, um, so that's on ESPN because it's top rank, obviously. Uh, but also in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, I should mention that's in Las Vegas too. In Phoenix, Arizona, uh, PBC Showtime, David Benavidez versus David Lemieux. Um, I think that's a showcase type of fight for Benavidez. Lemieux is going to come in there and give the crowd what it wants to see. He's going to come right to Benavidez and give him opportunities to knock him out. The crowd's going to love that. Lemieux is being brought there to bleed for money. That's what that fight is, in my opinion. Uh, and then in London on the zone, matchroom on the zone, Joshua Boazzi, one of the top prospects in boxing. You can even call him a contender now, going up against Craig Richards. That's 10 rounds light heavyweights. And then female championship fight, Chantel Cameron versus Victoria uh, Noelia Bustos. And that's for Cameron's unified. 140 pound women's titles. Okay. So that's what's up tomorrow. So you guys got uh, some action on all the platforms, nothing super, super great, but um, a couple of interesting matchups. I, for me, I I think ESPN is the best card uh, of the bunch, but you know, I expect a good um, crowd of course in London for that card. And then I expect a good crowd in Phoenix for the Benefitas fight, you know, they're going to show out for him. So you're going to have some fun atmospheres. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much all these shows super chat from Trent. Now Peril. Thank you very much, Trent. He says, Sergei Vorobiev has a cool YouTube channel. 
He is my new favorite prospect at 154. And there's several of these guys at 154, Trent. Uh, Troy Isley moving quick with TR. Isley beat Madrimov in the amateur semi. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Guys, Trent knows his uh, prospects, especially on the international scene, and he knows his amateur stuff. He is an awesome, awesome resource for uh, info in those, in those uh, worlds. He really, really knows his stuff when it comes to these guys coming up in the amateur system, particularly on the international scene. All right, back to the phones we go. And we are going to 213. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike. Best wishes for your situation that you're in. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the pound for pound. Uh, do you guys think that you guys dropped Canelo a little bit too low? You're not the only one to bring that up here. Let me, I'm going to pull up the pound for pound ratings again. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of debate about where to put Canelo. Um, and you're, you're definitely not the only one who has said, Hey man, maybe you guys punished him a little too much. I thought we should have had him around four or five. I still think he's in the top five. I was overruled on that. Yeah. I don't see how you can have Spence and even Estrada above Canelo right now, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, for the Chocolatito one, um, didn't he just fight the champion at a weight division down coming up, fight him, and that guy coming in overweight? Yeah. Because I, that was his last fight, right? Yeah, in his last fight, uh, he fought Julio Cesar Martinez, who was coming up in weight, but was a highly ranked flyweight. And Chocolatito beat him yeah, pretty heavily. And he was overweight, like really overweight for that match, right? Yeah. Got Martinez, look, I'm just, I'm going to say allegedly, I'm going to use quotes, but allegedly has been using unnatural means to make weight at 112 for years. And it's really cost him. And that has, has that's part of the reason why he didn't make weight for his fight with Chocolatito. Again, I'm going to say allegedly, okay just for legal purposes, but <laughs> you can read into that, whatever you will. Right. So, I mean, I, you guys got to find a way to get him in. I mean, that he fought a guy above his weight. I mean, if that's not pound for pound, I don't know what it, you know, that's a great point. That's a great point. Listen, um, I'll bring that up, you know, with our, our, during our next discussion. Um, Cause I totally overlooked that, but you are absolutely right that he fought a guy that was a lot younger a lot bigger and uh, beat him pretty, pretty handily. I mean, I want to say that was like a nine rounds to three <laughs> kind of fight, you know, it was a schooling. That's all I remember. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a technical schooling. Uh, the other one is uh, how do you feel about Crawford saying if he beats Spence, he's going after Tallow next. Who said this Crawford? Yeah. Well, I love on it. Podcast, so. I love it. Look, if if PBC offered Crawford a two fight deal and they said you get Spence and if you beat him, you get Charlo next. I think Crawford would sign the dotted line for that. And how amazing would that be? 
I'm drooling for that one right now. (laughs) I'm throbbing (laughs) for that one. My my pants are rising just thinking about it. That's (laughs) that would be awesome, bro. That would be awesome. And the last one is uh this is the weirdest one. David Benavides versus Morel. He's he's calling that a possible. His team is actually saying it's possible. Well, they're both PBC guys, right? So why not? Yeah, well, Morel's kind of, he has, what, five fights right now? And he has a huge amateur career, but is he ready, do you think? I think he's as ready as he's going to be. They've, um, I think he's got one of the 5,000 WBA belts by now, doesn't he? I want to say. I, <laughs> he I'm, has the regular belt. I mean, I don't know what to make of that. I, mean, <laughs> I hate the well, hey, the alphabet organization. The, the PBC loves marketing the Reggie belts, as we call them, the regular belts. We call them the Reggie belts. <laughs> you know, Tank Davis has had like 14 of them already, and they rate him as like an eight division champion with all those belts. So, look, if Morell is uh, willing and they could do it, he's got a fight coming up next month, but I think he's going back to Minneapolis. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah. Because I think. Okay. I want to say he's based out of Minneapolis now, um, which is interesting. A Cuban guy moving to it's it's it couldn't be any more freaking cold in Minneapolis. It is the complete antithesis <laughs> of Cuba. Uh, so I don't quite understand that, but I think that's where he's based out of now. And I've had him fight there a few times. So um, if he defends his Reggie belt and Benavidez, they want to do that fight. I look, I, I I'd watch it. I think that'd be an interesting fight. Um, it would be probably a step up for Benavidez, as crazy as that sounds. You know, it, it might be. <laughs> so you actually consider them better fights than Zoo and Pandora? What, a 54? Oh, no, no, that's something else. I was thinking about the travel situation. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> okay. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I want to see Fandora and Zoo fight. Like, let's have them fight. You know, like, I want to see th- those young guys fight each other before they go up to the main man. Um, but at 68, you know, with Benavidez, I, you know, he, the WBC is trying to line it up where they force a fight between him and Canelo, which I'd love to see. I think that'd be yeah. awesome. You know, if we end up getting that, uh, I'd, I'd much rather see that than Benavidez fight Morel, of course. His team, from what I heard, are calling out three fighters. Charlo, Plant, and Morel. These are the three guys that they're looking at for the next possible fight from what I've heard. Well, I'd rather see, obviously, I'd rather see him fight Plant or Charlo. Um, I think him, I'd, <laughs> I'd like to see Benavidez Charlo first. Then second on that list would be Benavidez Plant. And third would be Benavidez Morel, which means we'll probably get Benavidez Morel. <laughs> so we'll see. I, I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of hoping to Charlo wait to see what happens with the Crawford fight before he moves anymore. Because if he does beat Mel, then uh, I don't know what the next step for Crawford would be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's, there's there's a lot of like hurry up and wait right now, and there's a lot of people waiting <laughs> to see what other dudes are doing before they make their move. I, and I just wish these motherfuckers would be their own man and just make a damn decision. Just, just 
make a decision. You know, that's where well, I'm at. So what I want to see is Charles and Lumpkin right now. I mean, come on, just get it done. <laughs> but I, mean, I can't see that happening. I'm sorry. Not with not until we see Golovkin Mungia because that makes more money. It just makes more money internationally. <laughs> that's why that's going to happen first, unless Mungia nice. doesn't want it. I uh, I just think that I think that the, the zone versus PBC trying to get that card worked out might be a little bit more problematic. Well, yeah, but but remember, Mungia is a zone guy. Golovkin's a zone guy. That's why yeah. I think we see that. But you're right with Charlo being a PBC guy. Um, I, I just look for them to get Golovkin off of the zone. They're going to have to pay a substantial amount of money. Put that fight on pay per view. It just doesn't make sense. I just don't see it. <laughs> uh, thank you for the call and best wishes again. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it, man. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Right, you too, now. All right, there he goes. Um, and what did I, I wanted to hit on something. I was just thinking, ah, I forgot. You know what? I think, is this Chad? This call right here. We're going to Ca Canada. Canada yeah. is my, my uncle calls it. Um, you were on the show. What's up? <clears throat> yes, I got through. He got through. I feel good. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, Mike. It has been, been a, a while. while. I know you've um, called a few times, but you you always uh, get on too late, and uh, yeah, just well, don't make it. Well, I want to say that to all the um, American and UK callers, you guys are so lucky. You have the toll free. You know, it totally. And I know most of you guys like as soon as the show starts, you guys call and you're just listening through the phone or whatever. But I don't blame you because I would do the same thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, totally kind of changes the dynamic for me to call right yeah so yeah i'm happy i got through today man thank you you know what you bring up a good point man i need to you know what you bring up a really really great point for, for those of you calling if you're not uk or not usa let me know in the chat because i'll jump to you first because you guys are paying so man yeah. i never thought about it like that dude but thank you you, um, you know what i was thinking about no, no, no problem, man. And and the phones are popping, and I love it, right? Like, I like listening to everyone calling in, and it's a good thing. The show is healthy, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was thinking, too, like, have you ever thought about using, like, a lot of these uh, different channels use StreamYard to have, like, a panel. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, have you ever given any thought to, to that, like, changing the, you know, format a little bit and, and using uh, StreamYard as a means for like a panel. I mean, you, you wouldn't probably be able to have as many people on, but maybe, I don't know. Could well, be an idea. I have stream StreamYard is the app that the, the video app that I'm using. And I have a different system yeah. for the phones and I do it that way so that I can have my own phone number and I can control things a little more. I just have a few more options that way than StreamYard allows, but I can conference people in through video with StreamYard. And, you know, maybe yeah. I should start doing more of that kind of stuff on my channel, my personal channel. But you're right. I could only do three or four people at a time because if I had more than that, it just gets to be too busy, you know. But maybe I'll start doing that. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like you're you're really you're really nice to the callers, Mike. Like, you don't – like, you let people go on and on even when you don't want to. Like, <laughs> I've listened to some shows, like – 
like long format radio especially and like they just like hang up on people basically like they they do it politely like the person's done a thought done talking and then they just disconnect them and and move on right i mean maybe you'll have to employ something a little more insistent to get people uh moving through it if you were to use that you know that's a good point that's a fair point um, yeah but look man um i just wanted to take a sec and say uh big congrats on the pregnancy man thank you i know like uh, listening to the show uh i know family is like i know that's something important to you man so i know how happy you guys must be and um yeah yeah just like big congrats thank you, you. Know? thank you yeah um, we're excited man yeah 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 i bet you are and and my my advice mike like i got three kids right so my advice is um don't like just focus on this milestone you know um october having the baby um don't don't get too uh, when i had my first one man i I was like buying books on like how to have your kid a genius by kindergarten (laughs) and i was i was so worried you know what i mean yeah yeah i was looking forward to so much stuff and you know uh, you realize after you go through it you calm down quite a bit and you realize it's not such a not everything is so urgent i guess you know anyway uh easier said than done i guess but uh yeah look man as far as boxing goes, I kind of wanted to uh, just chime in about Mungia. Uh, you've been busy this week. Like, did you see that uh, Mungia has a fight scheduled? I heard something. Yeah, and I, I don't even know who the hell is the opponent. Um, I gotta look it up. Okay, so I've I've never watched him, but it's Jimmy Kelly. He's a UK uh, fighter. I've not seen him fight, but he's. I think WBO has got him ranked number eight. And, um, I, I, and then actually before I complain about Mungia, I wanted to ask you, I'm going to be watching the, uh, Aleem Kanuli tomorrow too. And I've not watched Dignam fight. Have you, what can you tell me about Dignam? Like, have you watched him fight at all? He's no. another UK guy. No, I know he's got an undefeated yeah, record, but you know, it's, it looks suspect. Right. Yeah. And I see that. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Dignam is Southpaw and I think six foot. No, no, that's, or maybe that's, I'm confusing the two. That might be Kelly. Yeah. I think it's Kelly that Southpaw and six foot tall Mungia's opponent, which Mm. I thought was interesting. Um, I mean, that's at least something to kind of shake up Mungia a little, I guess. But um, man, I'm, I'm so done with Mungia, Mike, like, the whole thing that went down, I think it was around January, where he was, you know, he was ranked number one by WBO, so they wanted to have him and Andre fight, but Andre, you know, was going to make the move to 168. So it was supposed to be Mungia Alim Kanuli next, but mm-hmm. WBO didn't order the fight. And well, well, it just seemed suspect to me. Am I wrong about that? Well, they wanted like, to. The situation is, seemed suspect at the time to me. Is as, as I understand it, Mungia's team basically yeah. said, "We don't want it." That's as, that's so the way I understand. In that scenario, it. though, Mike, like, sh- shouldn't the sanctioning body just order the fight? I mean, it's their number one and number two guys. Like, shouldn't they just order the fight and then have the team? But to me, it just seems like WBO allowed Mungia's team to not have to declare publicly that they didn't want it. You know, like to me, it was a duck. Mm. I mean, everyone's talking about ducking. Like, 
To me, that was a duck. No, it was a funny. It was. And then it was. a lot of people, right? And a lot of people were supporting Munguia. Like fans were saying things like, uh, "Alim Kanuli, who's that? Like who?" Or saying, "Well, there's no money in that fight." You know, things like that. But now, look where we are now. Oh yeah, the other thing was, you know, uh, the Triple G situation, which I understand. You know, it's prize fighting. Triple G's where the money's at. But look where we are now. Look where we are now. We're we're a few months later. He's no closer to a Triple G fight, and here he is now, keeping busy with some guy we've never heard of. Like, I guess my point is, we're waiting for Mungia to do something great, and we keep waiting and we keep waiting. And Aline Kanuli, to me, that was the moment. I mean, that could have been something. I think that would have been a great fight. I really do. And uh, even if Mungia was to have lost, I think it would have been a real mark in his career. But we didn't get it. And here we keep going. So I'm just curious your opinion, Mike. And, like, do you think it's Oscar that's the main problem in Mungia's career? It's not Mungia. I've just kind of had it with Mungia. It's it's not him. It's his management. So. so, you know what? He, Michael Mendiola, a friend of mine, uh, works with uh, Mugia's team, or he has, and he's on the chat. He was just saying, uh, hey, fellas, not to beat my chest, but I know Jaime personally. He thought he was getting Jacobs or Mosley Jr. He was ready for either. None of those guys accepted the fight. Jaime will fight anybody. Beltran and De La Hoya collectively are trying to get the Triple G fight or Charlo. I don't think they want the Charlo fight. I think they both want the Triple G fight. And, you know, there's not – there's certain things I know that I just can't say on the record right here, but if you guys just read between the lines of what I'm saying, I would bet very, very heavily that by the end of this year, we see that fight between Golovkin and Mungia because the demographics of it make a lot of sense and both sides want it. It'll do numbers internationally. It'll do numbers. If they put it in Vegas or LA, um, it'll do numbers. And so that's where they're going. So, with the WBO, to go back to your point, Chad, the WBO, they can't force anyone to fight, right? So, so they had, I think, Mungia 2, Adam Cunuli at, at or no, Mungia 1, and Adam Cunuli at 2, and they wanted the two of them to fight for interim. But if Mungia's side basically pulls out, what can they do? So they're take, taking Adam Cunuli and having him fight maybe the next available guy, which is Dignum, for the interim, because Mungia didn't want that. Mungia's going for the money against Golovkin. That's pretty much what him and his team are doing. So um, that's the kind of out of the sanctioning organization's hands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. And I understand it. It's just, I guess, I just don't like the fact that, I mean, it's it's uh, practical to, I mean, yeah, if the guy, if you know they're not going to take the fight, I get it. Like, why go through, why bother? But on another note, I feel like it really lets that team slither out of having to kind of tell the fans and tell the public yeah. like, okay, here's why we can't take that fight or whatever, you know? Um, Cause to me, yeah. Like that just looked like a really big duck to me by me. It's up to the side. media. And uh, it's up to the media to say some shit, but a lot of these guys in media are afraid to look when I lived in LA, everybody was gung ho about Jaime Munguia. There was a lot of people in the, the LA media that had Jaime Munguia fever and we're singing his praises. And I remember looking and I was one of the few guys in the scene out there. They were saying, I see major holes in this kid's game. I think y'all need to slow the hell down. He needs development. He needs to work on his defense. And I took shit for it. I took shit for it. You know, people, especially, you know, the Mexican American fan base out there and everything else, uh, you know, 
people don't want to tell the truth. They don't want to lose access. They don't want to hold anyone's feet to but the I, fire. I, I, for sure. The media, it's a shame that it's got to be like that. But, I mean, it's just funny how some guys, some fighters get, like, run, run over, right through the coals for this stuff, you yes. know? And there are they're getting standards. called a duck for... You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Like they get called a duck when it's not even a duck, you know? And then you got guys that are like legit ducking and you know, there's no talk, no discussion at all. I feel like Mungia gets a pass from a lot of guys. Yep. Um, I tweeted that this week. When you really look at the last few years, what's that, Mike? I tweeted that this week. I said, man, Mungia just gets a pass. Look, man, uh, guys yeah. like, look, I'm, I'm not saying Demetrius Andre is a victim because he's not. But he's flat out, he has avoided fighters. He found a way out of a Charlo fight. He does not want any part of uh, Janabek, Alam Kanuli. And there are people, you know, trashing him on Twitter, which I get. But those same people won't talk about Mugia doing this shit. And it, my thing is, just be That's fair. Right. Be fair. Look, Josh yeah. Taylor doesn't yeah. seem very interested in fighting a Caterall rematch, right? He just got stripped yeah. of the BA. Yeah. He wants to fight Zapata. I think Zapata is a better fighter than Caterall. But Caterall is a tough style for Taylor. So that doesn't look very sure. good. And there's not, there's some people not talking about that. Tyson Fury doesn't seem too interested yeah. in fighting Usyk. And you mentioned before that smaller southpaws like Cunningham gave him his toughest fights. People don't want to talk about that. You know, it, it is what it is, man. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, you, you just got to be able to kind of look through the between the lines, I guess, you know, um, right. and, and have that. that's, that's what, like earlier you were talking about people just getting like angry and outraged about everything or, or being like really biased. And I feel it's this type of stuff that most people get up on, you know, um, and, and, and get really swung one way or the other. Um, and a lot of the time it's not even justified, but, uh, anyways, Mike, that, that's kind of my, uh, complaint for the day i guess my rant for the week <laughs> and uh other than that man i'll let you go and take another call and uh i'll be i'll be talking to you and seeing you around but again um you and tiff uh, big congrats man and um you know you can bend my ear anytime you want to know how to put a diaper on or whatever okay <laughs> all right thanks a lot brother i appreciate it man later all right bye all right i uh, see kento on the chat says that he's calling from barbados all right yeah, there's an anonymous number here. I'm thinking this might be you, brother. So I'm going to skip ahead uh, a few of you guys who have been waiting so I could get Kento because he's paying for this. He's not toll free. So I think this is him. Let me click on this. Kento, is this you? It is me, Mike. Good What's evening. Up? How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, man? Uh, first, I'm doing great. First and foremost, uh, many congratulations uh, to Tiffany and you. Thank uh, you. I'm looking forward to the great news in October. And also, um, my heartfelt, um, you have my full support as you support your mother. Um, always cherish her no matter what. Awesome. Um, I, I'm an orphan now, so um, the memories of my parents live long. But um, yeah. when we have them around, we have to do our very best to love and cherish them every day. And I uh, wish you all the best, and you have my support always. Thank you so uh, my much. My question, I know I sent you a tweet. You know, I sent you a very, very innocent tweet, you know. Um, I've seen quite a lot of boxes, you know. I'm, I'm older than you, but I look young. And I've seen quite a lot of boxes, and, you know, um, Shakur Stevenson looked very, very comfortable and very clinical against um, 
Um, what was the name of that gentleman now that he fought recently? Oscar Valdez, right? Yeah, Valdez, yeah. Yes. And I was wondering, you know, I sent you a tweet and I was a question when I saw your Ring magazine top 10. I was wondering, um, why didn't the committee uh, include him in the top 10? And if he isn't worthy of the top 10, how close is he? And what does he need to do to get onto the top 10? Uh, I thank you for skipping over calls to take my call. And uh, I wouldn't want to take too much of your time and um, hold up other calls. So I just listened to your response. Um, 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 the, um, okay. the YouTube. Um, uh, yeah, thank okay. you so much, Mike. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Kento. That's a great, great question. So I'll, I'll, I'll drop you here so you could save some money. I appreciate you calling in, man. Um, and I, I saw. I apologize if if you sent me a DM asking this and I just didn't answer. I'm sorry, man. It's it's been a whirlwind recently, and I literally I get hundreds of messages a week, so it's it's just hard to get to all of them. But it's a great question about Shakur Stevenson. So I'm going to share my screen once again, because um, I want to show you guys our divisional ratings at 130. Uh, let me make sure I got this pulled up. Okay, I got this pulled up right here. So um, you can see, of course, that Shakur is our champion, right? And he's so he's got the ring belt, the WBC, and now the BO. He had the BO when he beat Valdez. He took the BC. And we rated uh, Stevenson number one at the time. Valdez was on suspension, but coming off suspension, we rated him number two. So number one versus number two, boom, ring magazine belt. So we sanctioned this for the ring championship. He's what I would say he's on the bubble for pound for pound. It was discussed, but he, we want to see him do a little bit more work. Um, if I pull up his resume, because I want to make sure I get this right. So hang on one second, guys, while I pull up Shakur's resume. I just want to make sure I don't misquote something. I want to be really careful. Um, yeah, I want to see. So when he was at 126, Shakur, he fought for a vacant belt. And of course, it was the WBO because he's a top-ranked fighter. We're Bob's organization, right? Bob Aram owns the WBO. So he fought Joaquin Gonzalez for the vacant belt. He won that title but um uh, maybe make sure i got this right i think he lost it in his oh, i'm sorry he won the vacant belt he moved up in weight after that he never defended right so he won a belt at 26 but it was a vacant belt didn't defend it then he moves up to 130 which is understandable because he's a big kid right he's going to end up he might be a welterweight one day seriously before he retires he might do a welterweight fight he's going to keep moving up in weight but 126, yeah, you win a vacant belt, but then you move right up. So no title defenses at 26. Then he comes to 30. He wins his 130 belt against uh, Nakathila, right? And now he's got two defenses of that belt. Um, oh, I'm sorry. He won the belt. He won an interim belt against Nakathila. It was against Herring where he won the full belt, the WBO. And now he's got one defense. So two titles in two weight classes, one defense. And then, of course, he now has the BC and everything. So he just needs to do a little bit more work. He's on his way. And in terms of talent, young talent, he he's certainly, certainly up there. I should mention that Joette Gonzalez, who Stevenson beat for the vacant belt at 126, he also lost at 126 against Emmanuel Navarrete. Um, maybe was a little more competitive, but he lost pretty clearly to Navarrete. So um, 
Joe Gonzalez kind of showed his level, right? So it's not as if he went in there and had a really close fight with Navarrete or something. So that's a good win for Stevenson, but it, I wouldn't call it an elite level win. The win against Herring, good win, but Herring, much, much older fighter, right? Had, had a lot of tread on the tires. And so Stevenson was supposed to win. Outstanding win. Dominant, great, but I wouldn't call it an elite win. Valdez is his best win, okay? But even if we look at Valdez and his career, his recent wins off of uh, Burchelt and stuff haven't necessarily aged great. So I think Stevenson is right there like on the bubble, but I want to see a little more pound-for-pound type of fighting, meaning now that he's got – I mean, he could stay and try to get the other belts at 130 and go for undisputed, but I kind of want to see him go up to 35. I want to see him against those other young guns – 135 is way more loaded, right? Um, pulling up our 135 ratings. Of course, you guys see all the names. This is a much more loaded division. I'd love to see Stevenson move up and wait, fight one of these guys. Then you've got more of that pound for pound type of credentials. And then maybe we could put you on there. But who would you bump off right now on the pound for pound list to put Stevenson in? I just don't think he's quite on par with these other fighters on this list yet. But I would say he's in the top 15, man. He's definitely in the top 15. He just needs to move up and maybe do some work at 135, and then he'll be there. Okay. So great question from Kento, and I appreciate the call, and I appreciate the sentiments. We might take one or two more, guys, and then we're going to go, all right? Uh, I don't want to go too much longer. I know there's a ton of you on hold, uh, but let me jump here to Nacho. I know he's going to have a bunch of good stuff for us. What's up, Nacho? Hey Mike, what's going on? Um, just uh, I just kind of wanted to comment um, just on the fights this weekend, and then I kind of wanted to comment on what Chad said about uh, Mungia. I'll start off with that quickly. Um, Mungia, I've followed the kid ever since I saw him um, on as a young, young seventeen, eighteen-year-old prospect here in, in uh, California they would show uh, some of the uh, Mexican fight cards on uh, Spanish TV. And so I got to see him from pretty much when he was first coming up. And the kid was always raw, and I could see he had talent. But um, I was also like you, Mike. I always felt like he was going to need work if he was ever going to get to be a really good fighter um, at some point. And I understand the fact that they've kind of taken their time developing him and kind of, you know, got him, um, you know, different trainers to work with in order to add more tools to his toolbox. But I think at this point, Mike, after having watched the kid for the last six, seven years, I'd say, probably seven more like it, I think it's time. I think this idea that they keep waiting and waiting for a Golovkin fight is just ridiculous to me. I mean, you'll you'll get paid and, and you'll get some recognition if he does end up beating Gennady. But at the same time, they're missing out on other fights that could have been made in the meantime. Yeah. I just think this idea of waiting to, quote unquote, cash him out in a sense is like the dumbest thing ever. I don't get it. I just feel like the kid has been kind of stifled by his own management. And whether that's Zanfer or whether that's Golden Boy, I'm not sure. But they're the ones putting up the roadblocks. 
And I think they're hurting the kid more right now than they are helping him. And until they realize that, things aren't going to change. And uh, I'm not a fan of that fight that he has coming up. Uh, Jimmy Kelly is like, really? Like, that's that's the opponent? Like, right. I mean, I could live with Danny Jacobs, but Jimmy Kelly? Like, no. That, that's just insulting. Um, and then uh, as far as these this weekend's fights, um, Janabek, he should be this uh, Diggum guy. Um, I'm not sold on uh, the record that he has. I've looked at his record. He really has no legit wins to speak of. And this is kind of a showcase for Janabek, I think, to kind of just get a belt and kind of put his name out there and put his name in the mix at 160. So he should win that fight. I can't see him having any issues with his opponent this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Benavides and Lemieux. I just don't think, having watched Lemieux um, like the last year and a half or so after he moved up to 68, he just doesn't look like the same guy, Mike. I think you're right. I think the only way he has a chance of winning that fight is if he legit goes after Benavidez in the first few rounds, hurts him, and then is able to just kind of, you know, um, put it on him to be able to, to get the stoppage. But I don't see that. He was picked for a reason. He's a guy with a name. He's a guy who's kind of slightly on, on the way down. And so they picked him for that reason. And I think Benavidez should win that fight. Um, and then the other one, the, the, the zone card. Um, I like, but- uh, Butasi. I think he's a, I think he's a good, um, you know, up and coming prospect slash contender. Uh, Richards is just kind of known as the guy who gave Bivol trouble. But if you really look at that fight, Bivol still handled him relatively easily. Mm-hmm. But some people are just giving Richards a lot of credit for that performance. It's kind of interesting how he's getting a whole lot of credit for that for that performance, even though he ended up taking the loss. But I think if Utati is who he is, I think he definitely should win that fight. I mean, I think he's still levels above a guy like Richards, and so he should win that fight. And then uh, last thing, Mike, um, I saw uh, Jamal Herring last weekend at the Quiet Canyon in Montebello for a club show that they had out here uh, for Tom Loeffler. And um, I actually asked him, I said, is Shakur Stevenson really that good, uh, Jamal? And he surprised me. He said, he is. He goes, the biggest thing that makes him a, um, a problem, and it's going to be a problem moving forward, is his speed and his ability to, to move and not get hit. Yep. He goes, as much as I would try to like line him up to time him with my best shots, he goes, by the time I was trying to get to him, he was gone. And I was like, oh, wow. So to have a guy like him tell you that, I mean, that obviously means that he thinks the kid has legit, you know, a le- he's legit and, and he thinks he might be, um, you know, a big star moving forward. So, all right, Mike, that's that's my call. Thanks, Nacho. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, Jamel Herring is one of the true, like, really good guys in the sport. And, and a big part of it is because – He's just really honest and tells it like he sees it. I think he has a future in this sport. And if he wants to do commentating, he could, but also like management, fighter management and stuff like that. Uh, Just stuff on the business side, because he has a really good mind for it. 
and he's um, he has an eye for things. He has a really good eye. If he really wanted to be a trainer, I think he could be a good trainer, but um, or even promoter. But yeah, he's talked about uh, Shakur several times, and he he said that the kid's legit. And you know, being ringside for that fight, I can tell you guys, Jamel was hundred and ten percent focused. He really, really gave every ounce that he had in that fight. But Shakur is very good at anticipating punches, moving his feet and his body into position where you just can't hit the dude. You can't hit him clean. His fight with uh, Oscar Valdez, I think it was only the third round where Valdez had real success. It was able to clearly win that round on my card, but that was pretty much it. Uh, Stevenson was able to just make adjustments after that. And yeah, you know, Valdez is a smaller guy punching up at him. I get all that. At some point, Shakur is going to be at 35 and at 40 where the guys are bigger, they're longer, they're taller, and he's not going to get away with some of the things he's getting away with at 126 and 130. But pound for pound wise, the kid is, is really good. And top rank has done an outstanding job developing him. Had Stevenson, look, I'm going to sound like a prick, but had Stevenson signed with PBC or something, he wouldn't be half as sharp as he is right now because he just would not been, he would not have been developed the way he has been. It was smart of him to go with top rank and, and do what he did. And the success that he's having, I think that's why you saw pretty much the entire American 2020 Olympic boxing team sign with top rank. They looked at what Shakur Stevenson did with top rank and they were like, oh shit, I want some of that. So uh, they did such a good job with him that uh, I think that's why uh, you're going to see a lot of the young American prospects start going in that direction because they just see how things were perfectly laid out and developed. And, you know, you got to have this, a special fighter to do that with. But I just think that uh, all in all, they did such a great job that they just they have the the infrastructure to do that, especially in those weight classes. Now, maybe in some of the other weight classes, they don't. If you're a 154 prospect, maybe you go with PBC, right? But in, in and around those weight classes, you know, 22, shit, 18, up to uh, 40 right now, <laughs> I'm going with top rank if I'm coming out of the uh, the amateurs, the, the Olympics, whatever, because they have such a setup right there, you know? Anyway, uh, guys, we've been going for about an hour and a half. I see a bunch of you guys on hold. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to get to all of them. I'm going to get one more call. Um, I'm going to go to Brooklyn here and take one last call. Okay. And then we're going to wrap it up, but um, we're coming up on an hour and a half and it's Friday and it's time to get our weekend started. The wife just came through. She was peeking through the, the studio door a minute ago saying, you know, I'm hungry. She's pregnant guys. She's hungry. You know, I got to listen to the woman. I got to go give her some food. So we're going to take one more quick call. Okay. And then we're going to wrap it up. So uh, 718, you're on the show. What's going on? Yeah, how you doing? How you doing? This is Oscar Suleiman. What's up, man? How you uh, doing? I listen to your show all the time. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man. Congratulations on the new baby. Thank you. And um, congratulations for that fight that you had. That was good, man. Ali. Hey, you lost by, by decision, but maybe you could get a, a role match with that guy. Yeah. And you can win it. Yeah, we're okay. thinking about it. Because um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, this fight here, uh, I think this is a showcase fight for Benavides because... Uh, that uh, that David Mew, he, he fights a little bit similar to the guy that he knocked out that put him uh, on the limelight. Um, he fights a little bit like Porky Medina. I don't know ah. if you, you know Porky Medina, the guy that he Porky knocked Medina, out. Porky Medina, yeah, I remember him. Total, yeah, 
and he fought he fought for a championship, but he he you know he, he lost. But that guy has a similar style to Lemieux, mm. and um and that, that's the type of fighter that um Benavides looks fantastic, and so I think this fight is going to showcase, and um and after he wins this fight and it's spectacular fashion, he's going to be pushing for that Canelo fight, or or see if a Canelo vacates that belt and they just defend that belt and wait till Canelo vacates the rest. I don't think Canelo Canelo is gonna. Um, everybody's saying that Canelo is gonna come down to 168. I don't think so. I think he's gonna stay at 175 because he's pushing for that rematch and stay up there. Hmm. Because um, the way he looked, he looked comfortable at that weight. He, even though he lost this fight, um, it, it, he didn't look that bad. The thing with him is that he was targeting the arm. He was training his whole training regimen was targeting the guy's arm and um and breaking him down. And um, this guy was two or three steps ahead of him. In his boxing style, but but he did do damage. He went the distance. Um, that fight wasn't that bad. I mean, he didn't look that bad. He's still very marketable at one seventy five. And then mm-hmm. um, Triple G. I don't think Triple G is gonna fight. He's gonna fight Canelo for a third fight. I think he's gonna stay at one sixty because he's he's, he's a comfortable there. He's not gonna move up, and he's gonna defend those belts and try to unify there because I, I don't understand what what he's gonna do. Vacate his belts to move up to. 168. I don't think that's a good idea because he made he made 12.5 million dollars plus against um Fiorovic and a lot of people is pushing for me rematch in that fight. So he could he could cash in at 160 and then go out like that. He don't need a third fight. Um, I know your wife is hungry and uh, you gotta get uh, some dinner. Uh, and thank you very much for giving me a time to be uh in the show and you have a great day. Thank Bye-bye. you too, man. Have a great weekend. I will say this, um, you know, K- Triple G could move up to 68, fight Canelo, but keep his 160 belts. So win or lose, he could go back down to 160 and defend those belts. So I still think it's very possible that we get the third fight between Canelo and Triple G. Uh, Jack Alter on the chat agrees with me. I just think there's too much money in that fight. There's just too much money in that fight for it to not happen. But if Canelo would rather fight Bevel, and he goes for that fight, then perhaps it gets interesting. But if you're Golovkin, I think your second option, should Canelo go to, to push for the rematch with Bevel, like Ashkar was saying, then if you're Triple G, you fight Mogia because you can do that fight. Hell, you can do that fight in LA and sell out Dodger Stadium. You really, really could. So there's options there, guys. Like I said before, though, these dudes need to uh, they need to make a decision and stop just like waiting around for everybody else to, you know, to figure out their shit. CJ Duncan in the chat says Montero on parenting. MOP. <laughs> MOP. That might be the new channel. The, maybe at the end of the year. Uh, we'll find out. All right, guys. Have a great weekend, man. Uh, call your moms. Tell them you love them. All right. Call your moms. Tell them you love them. All right, guys. I love you. And I'll see you Monday over on Rings Channel for TNC. All right. Peace.